Okay. Ready? We'll do. A, let's do one, two, three, four, five, and then clap on six. Okay. But do. But you got to do the ands. One and two and three and four. That. Yes. And then we'll clap five and and clap on six. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Together, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Nope. Here we go. Okay. One and two and three and four and five and. Oh, I forgot to clap. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. All right. How's it going? Oh, (laughs) you know. Oh, shit. Could you hear that? That was my alarm going off. I didn't hear that. Um... Speaking what? of shit, you have a you have literally a shitty problem today. Yeah, my toilets are backed up with poop. <laughs> it's well, horrible. You're like it's like your your house is like at a at Bonnaroo. It's basically Bonnaroo at your house. I've never been to Bonnaroo. Are Me the neither. Toilets full of poop. I've never been to Bonnaroo, and you could you could scarcely pay me to go to Bonnaroo. But I imagine yes, the toilets they're filled with poop. Here's what I've realized that I've been taking for granted for my entire life. Being able to poop indoors and not think about it. You've been pooping outdoors? <laughs> I, have, I haven't, but I've made my three-year-old go outside like a goddamn savage. <laughs> wow. And just fucking open up the door, kick her out into the 39-degree cold and go, figure it out, bitch. Right. Just like your ancestors did. She's just out there peeing like she's a 19-year-old at Bonnaroo. Uh, It's it's ridiculous. Well, I hope you're getting it fixed today, huh? That's going to happen? No, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to get fixed. Because you don't know. Is that your three-year-old in the background or your four-year-old? Yeah, so I... uh, Last night I had a friend in from out of town and kind of a rare night for me. I went out to meet him for some drinks and... uh, I get the call that that my daughter Nova, she's four. Uh, I get the call that she's not feeling well. I need to come home and help my family. And Nova had <laughs> thrown up in our bed, so my wife and daughter moved to the guest room, and they're like wiped out. They're exhausted. It's late. So <laughs> and you're I, like, I don't care. I'll well, take the I'll take the puke. Well, yeah, I was like, I'll deal with it. So I found myself at like midnight, literally picking up chunks of food from vomit out of my own bed. And like washing sheets, and so she's home today. Yeah, it reminds me about that. Reminds me of the last time I slept with my dad when I was a teenager. <laughs> when you were when, when I, you when were thirty seven, when you were thirty nine. No, no, I was a teenager at the time, and when I say slept, I mean not have sex, but actually just slept in the same bed together. I can't imagine and, sleeping uh, in a bed with my dad. Oh my god! It wasn't something that we did, um, but for some reason we did. The last time it happened, uh, we did after I guess. I don't know who had been drinking, me or him or whatever, but we ended up uh, sacked out together, and and one of us, probably me, ended up filling the bed up with puke. <laughs> so that's that's what I woke up to: oh. puke lying next to my dad, who was probably <laughs> naked, by the way, like because he sleeps naked. So even when anyways, he's, even when he's in bed with his the, son, what's the key to writing great songs? That. Having those kinds of experiences line the walls of your memory cave. Yeah. Uh, that that's where you get to write the good songs. Yeah. I and think... if you don't have that, you know, if your dad if your dad uh 
If you don't have visions of your dad in that regard, then then your songs might be more boring. I think that people want to be good songwriters or like want to do the job that we do. But I think if you really put the deal to them that plainly, like here's the deal, we will we can offer this life to you. You have to here a few here's just a little <laughs> smorgasbord of things you have to experience. However, right. you have to have slept naked to your slept <laughs> next to your naked dad in a bed of vomit, and that's just to maybe get one good chorus. <laughs> right. That's one of a million hellish memories you need to write a decent song about about love. Yeah, that's the way it works. Now I've so. met your I've met your dad. He's he's a he's a fun dude and he's always been real nice to me. I like him a lot. I can't imagine him as a dad though. And I certainly yeah. can't imagine sleeping in a bed with him naked. Well, my parents are good people. They're like kind-hearted people they just don't know how to be good parents and they don't really know how to be adults you right. know yeah they're good at being like a uh, nice kind of 10 year olds right but the problem is they're in their 70s so <laughs> and they and they raised two adult children <laughs> so i was basically raised by an eight a nice eight-year-old who liked to drink a lot that's what everyone wants for a parent I was raised by a a little older than that, maybe I'm talking maybe 15, 16 year old man child who was not real nice. So, uh, you know, choose your oh, wh- choose your choose way. your hellscape. By the way, when I say nice, I mean nice as long as I behaved like a full grown forty year old adult at the age of two, three, four, and five. Nice as long, yeah. If no. I acted like my age at any point, <laughs> the consequences were my dad would turn into a werewolf and fuck me up. Yeah, yeah, real th- hard. They're nice. He'd as- go, he'd go hard in the paint on my ass. They're nice so- as long as you're willing to be their parents. <laughs> once you, once you're unwilling to parent them when you're a child, things get a little <laughs> messy. Yeah. So I was scared, and I'm still scared. So that was the operating system that was installed as a ch- as a small child was pure. <laughs> I was Mac OS scared Javi, and uh, basically, it's just been updating that same scared programming ever since. But yeah, we again, call we call that low Sierra. <laughs> 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 that's, that's what the that's what we call that. Yeah, so that's the operating system. Yeah, we're, and then it's good because then you like <laughs> tend to write stuff that's you know that has some gets because you got to get out of there. You gotta you gotta escape that feeling, and then the only way to escape it is to really dig in deep with the songwriting or whatever th- it is that you do. I think also another another net benefit of that is you give your kids a better deal than you got. I know that's that's the case for me. <laughs> right. Well, I'm definitely a better parent than my right parents. I'm still not a good parent. No, no, like, our, our, the, kid, our kids will have their own problems for sure. But <laughs> but I really, for the longest time, thought I was being a great parent. Like, if you ask me, like, I mean, I have shirts that say World's Greatest Dad and Cups that say that. And for a long time, I thought I was. And now my son's 13 and I'm realizing, oh, no, I've not been a good father. <laughs> <laughs> I've been very not great but I, it is weird how you think you're doing good. And now I've got a three-year-old, and I'm like, well, I could actually, you know, i got to redo, but I'm not doing anything different. I'm just, it's kind of like when you're, 
You know, like when you're in a car and you're going real fast and all of a sudden you start hydroplaning and you're heading into like a bridge or something like that. You think uh, you're going to die. Concrete. Well, you know you're going to die, uh, but you're heading into this thing and you're like, well, I could maybe try to steer out of it or do something. And you just kind of relax into it. Yeah. And that's kind of the way I've been with my parenting. I'm like, uh. Yeah, I fucked up the first time. I'm just gonna relax into fucking up the second time. And I call they'll figure it out. I call that surrendering to de- surrendering to death, which is a really important psychological tool when you travel as much as we do, yeah. and you're out of control as much as we are in huge three ton pounds of metal carnage. What's it called again? Surrendering, surrendering to death. Surrendering to death. Oh, surrendering. To it's a death. pretty. It's a pretty chill exercise. <laughs> So death comes in, you're like, hey, I'm down. You just got to be willing. I'm DTD. TKO, yeah. Down to die. Oh, man, that's good. Uh, I am down to die, by the way. But I don't don't want anybody to hear that. Like, I don't want to. Oh, a good thing we're not saying. I don't want a fan to hear that and go. (laughs) I don't want a fan to hear that and go, "Hmm, I'll take matters into my own hands. No, I don't. I don't want it to happen, but it I'm I'm down if it does happen. Well you I'm gotta saying. be. You have to be. Well, here's the deal. I almost died once. I was in a plane crash. And when you're in a plane crash and you know you're about to die, you don't freak out. Like I didn't freak out at all. I was just like, Oh, cool. I I can stop worrying finally. Like it was a really wonderful I felt pure relief. Yeah, I wasn't like, peaceful oh, I'm going to die. I'm freaked out that I'm going to die. I was like, no, I, I get to quit worrying finally after all these years. I mean, what does it say about that moment for you being a, a peaceful moment because you, you get to finally be done? Uh, I mean, oh, man. Now I'm getting text messages and my alarm's going off. Cool. Are you dodging that oh. question? No. Oh, whoopsie. I'm not, I'm Looks not, like I'm I getting can't. a whole bunch of text messages. Oh, no, also, t- my alarm is going off. And my mm-hmm. dog ate my homework. Anyway, so I just got a text from the plumber saying, oh, I had two texts going out there this morning, but one had a family emergency. I have a fucking family emergency. All of my, every receptacle that holds water is filled with shit <laughs> in my house. So sorry that you're technician had a family emergency good god anyways so they're planning on coming out at some point later on in the day Mm. i don't care i'm just gonna keep shitting in everything right and when they come they can deal with it. you really make them really make them earn that well here's the other thing too those guys are getting paid a lot of money i'm literally going as soon as this podcast is over i'm gonna become a plumber (laughs) You're going to go to plumbing school? Well, I had a guy come two weeks ago, and and first of all, he's like, okay, it's 90 bucks for us to come to your house and look at your shit, or you know, literally look at your whatever. And and like, if we can fix it, just for us coming, it's 90 bucks. So just get get comfortable with that. I'm like, okay, it's going to be 90 bucks, but you know, it can't be that much more to fix it. So then they come, they look at it, and they go, okay, it's going to be $500 to fix this mm, clog. Fun. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, but if that doesn't work, it's going to be another $1,000 plus the $500 plus the $90. 
if that doesn't work. And I'm like, well, does it like, do you, do you roll everything in? And they're like, no, no, we don't roll it in. It's all separate charges. So why would we I'm ever like, do that? I'm like, what? And so now I'm like, I'm sitting there going, I don't want to just pay these guys 90 bucks and tell them to go fuck off because now nothing has happened. But I also don't want to pay them like $2,000 and still none of it's guaranteed, by the way. The whole time you're like, oh, by the way, I should tell everybody this is Reliant Plumbing. So yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like you maybe need to call a different plumber, homie. Well, I, so the people that are coming today are not Reliant. So this is Reliant. Okay. In case anybody wants to know who not to call in Austin. Bob, Bob. Sure, I'm going to be sued now for saying that. But so the guy's like, and and they spell it all out. They're like, you know, the guy's super nice. And he's like, yeah. So anyways, he left here, no problem fixed with 600 of my dollars. Unbelievable. I know. And then I was like, well, I'll call you. I'll call you later. Of course, I didn't ever call him. And now, so I called another plumber and now they're coming over. They came over a couple days ago and they're like, oh, it's your septic. And then, so I called the septic people and they're like, oh no, your septic's fine. It's the plumbing. And I don't know, man, it's a never ending fucking ordeal. Well, speaking of plumbing. uh, I just love the fact that there are people maybe still listening to me talk about shit. I mean, I was going to pivot away, but we can keep, we can camp out here a bit longer if you want to. I'm ready to get the fuck out of shit town <laughs> myself. No, this man. Pod- this podcast is not called I'm Living in Shit Town. You're living in shit town. I wish I wasn't living in shit town. I wish you weren't living in shit town. I mean, I brought some snacks and some camping gear. We can we can put the tent up in your septic tank if you, if you want to. Should, should we thank people for being here? Um, I'm not sure. I don't actually know. I don't think so. <laughs> I really, don't, I really don't think so. Hey, speak- this, do you think at this point, if they're still listening, that it's probably a, everybody should be red flagged if they're still, uh, if they're still here in the car? With I think us? if you, I think if you hit subscribe to this podcast, it immediately sends like a red <laughs> alert to the White House, and you're on some watch list now. You're on a no fly list. All right, I'm gonna thank people. Hey, thanks for for uh, thanks for joining us today. And I'm okay. You're okay. I'm Bob Schneider. And I'm not okay, and you're definitely not okay. I'm Clint Wells. Thank you. Thank you. How do you feel about getting the I'm not okay, you're not okay part? Real good. Real comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Is should it? we talk about Should we talk about stuff we like and yeah. don't like? Yeah, I was trying to do All that. Right. I had a clever plumbing pivot. Oh, you did? Speaking, okay. What's, what's the... All right, is this something you like or... Just... Yeah, it's something I like. Okay. I was also thinking that we should maybe just focus mostly on shit we like. No one wants to hear about shit we don't like. No, by the we way, definitely want to focus on some shit that we don't like because there's shit out there that people like that we need to warn them to not like. Now that is an astute point. And by yeah. the way, we have an email address now: bobandclint at gmail dot com. Whatever you want us to talk about, you can email us there. We'll talk about it. How about that? How about that deal? Yeah, pretty good people deal. Can, people can start emailing us uh, with questions. Or ask us to comment on whatever, or ask us for life advice, life yeah. hacks, yeah, whatever you want. We'll ha- talk about it. Hashtag life hack. We're not proud. No. Hashtag Reliant Plumbing. Um, <laughs> I wanted to talk about a show that when I saw the trailer for the show, and it, uh-huh. this is an HBO program, every time yeah. I saw the trailer, I thought, that looks so horrible. I, I just They would show little commercials for it when I would be watching Larry Sanders or whatever it is I like. And... I finally started watching it, and I'll be damned if it's not great. And I'm talking about The Deuce. Have you seen oh, The Deuce? Wow. 
I've seen it in my toilet the last couple of days. <laughs> I've seen many of them. Uh, I haven't seen it. It looks horrible. I don't like I Maggie Gyllenhaal. I, I don't like James Franco that much, but they are both incredible in it. And dude, you would Bob, you would love this. It's set in the it's seventies New York City. It's super gritty, and it's about the porn industry. It's about prostitution in the streets. It's about these club owners. There's some mob stuff in it, but the acting's great. The scripts are great. It's like Mean Streets. Did you like? Do you like seventies Scorsese? Do you like Taxi Driver? Mean Streets. That love vibe, them. dude. Them. It's basically an episodic. It's even grittier than that in some ways, too. And James Franco plays himself and his own twin brother, which you kind of want to roll your eyes. Like, James Franco, for some reason, is just so annoying. But he's great, though. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I've just been... He right. He right. He right. Now, here's the problem with liking a show when they have every episode available, is you watch all of them in, like, three days. And then uh-huh. you, I've been dreaming about it. And here's the here's a, a fictional landscape you don't want to be in in your dreams, the uh-huh. one of the deuce. It's uh-huh. a nightmare. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the correlation uh-huh. to how sincere you are is it's directly correlated with how high the pitch is when you say okay. 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 <laughs> okay. I've been saying okay a lot lately, like that. Okay, okay, okay. I've been saying it to my daughter. She's like, "Why are you talking like that?" I'm like, "Because it's funny to you." She doesn't. She doesn't think it's funny. No, of course not. <laughs> she'll uh, eventually. She'll understand that it's funny. In about twenty five, twenty five, thirty years, she'll <laughs> when, finally when get the joke when she's reenacting the deuce in her own real life. <laughs> like when she's starring in it in real life. It is hard to watch a show like that. Being a father of a daughter and not think about stuff like that, and I I find that horrifying. Yeah, I know. What they're are we going gonna... to? They're just heading into a world that just does not give a fuck. It's going to be a tough road, man. It really is. I know it's tough. I mean, it's just the world is the world is no joke, and that's like when I was talking earlier about not being a good parent. I think I've not been a good parent because I've been way, way too pampering and soft with my kids. Right. And I'm just worried that there's this whole generation of kids who have been like listened to and pampered and coddled and told how great they are and everything. And they're just going to go into a world where the world's going to be like, here's a giant shit on you and everything you care about. Well, I think what's even scarier about that is these are the kids. You know, we're we're dealing with a university culture where people are protesting any dissenting views. They're they're talking about microaggressions. They're being triggered. They can't read Mark Twain. Um, they can't read Huckleberry Finn. These are the people that are growing up and going into tech industries, Google industries. These are people going into politics. Right. These, these are people who are going to begin shaping culture, and they are a bunch of fucking babies who can't deal with the edges, the sharp edges of life. I worry about that all the time. I know. Well, I mean, in, in, in certain ways, it's great. Like, I remember when, I mean, this you're too young for this, but when I, in, in the 80s, they, there was this big PC thing that happened, and I was like, oh, man, that PC shit's bullshit. Like, we're going to lose all our edge. And it was great. Like, I'm so glad that things are PC, because, like, if you look at that shit from the 70s, it was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, it was super racist, super sexist. And it was ridiculous, and it was. And it's not funny, and, and it's weird now. 
<laughs> but now that we're used to, you know, PC, it's weird. But now it's like going to the next step. So there is this sort of like, well, it seems like it's too much. But in a way, I think it's great. Like we are evolving and we are making people be accountable, which is wonderful. But the way it's being done is not good. Like it's not being, it's not thought out. It's sort of like in the seventies, women were like, we're going to burn our bras because we're, this is the sexual We're you know, we're feminists and we're not going to wear your bras anymore. I'm like, uh, the, that's what dudes want you to do. <laughs> like, I was just about like, to say, wear an extra, wear an extra bra. I was just about to something. say, I was just about to say, burn them up, burn them up. <laughs> burn. Burn them up. By the way, somebody's listening to this now with us. What we're making a point is like we're saying what we're saying is we want women to be empowered. We want men to respect women. Oh, come but on. We don't even need to say that. We don't even need to I know, I don't but even want to say that. Of course know, we do. It's just, it's feels feels weird to parse that out. Of I know, course but you we just do. said you just made a joke. Burn them up. Burn them up. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna apologize for every joke I make. Yeah, burn those bras up. Great. No but problemo. I'm telling you, somebody's listening to this now. And I don't going, care. Oh, those guys. Those guys are sexist. I don't care. They're misogynists. I don't care. And, and, and don't send me an email about it either, because I don't well, give you a fuck. Can, no, you can. I send them all. Send in the emails. I'll uh, talk about it all day long. Okay. I'll I mean, let you read them. I. I don't. <laughs> I want to have discussions about it. I want to talk about it. I want to have a dialogue. That's the thing. I mean, there's no real intelligent dialogues going on. There's just people saying smart stuff and then a bunch of dumb people just digging in with their little sayings that they've been fed from somebody. Well, my my wife and I were actually talking about this just last night. Like, you're right. Like, there's been a lot of progress. It's been great. But there's some overcorrection happening and there's some pendulum swinging happening and there's kind of groupthink happening where... The ability to have a discussion and maybe even be wrong. Like, you know, back in the day when everyone wasn't butthurt and outraged all the time, you could have a convo where maybe you have an opinion about something and someone goes, oh, let me tell you why that's kind of not the jam. And then you can, there was room to be like, oh, I didn't think about it that way. You're right. I'm wrong. Cool. I learned something today. That's been replaced by having someone learn something and grow. That's no longer important. What's important is the virtue signaling of you. I was outraged by Clint when Clint said burn the bras. Look how liberal and pro-woman I am. Instead of like, you know what I'm saying? The, 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 I, I know exactly what you're saying. But it is weird. Like, by the way, burn them up. Burn them up. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> okay. Uh, I I was trying to think of a, a a thing that just happened the other day where I was talking to somebody and I, I was pretty uh, standing up for something that I really believed in and then somebody made an argument and I was like oh hey hey wait a minute you're right and uh, I'm wrong and I'm going to change my position on that yeah it doesn't it it happens so rarely I know. and when it happened I was like oh this is cool but it's hard it's hard to change what you believe in because yes. it really is kind of messing with the foundation of what makes you feel safe and and okay you know so uh when you're you know that's why it's almost impossible to talk about religion or politics because that's like the real serious foundation uh that people like hide inside and, and you know and and if you remove some of that stuff, people feel get, they get real unsafe. And once they start feeling unsafe, they just get angry. Well, I, I mean, I totally agree with you, but I have a strange experience with that because as you know, 
for like 10 years, I was extremely religious, went to Bible college, really, and really believed it, like really believed in Jesus and, you know, studied theology and, you know, I was in super deep and, you know, I was persuaded out of it by reading books about the universe and about science. I was reading a lot of Richard Dawkins. I was reading The New Atheist. I got into Christopher Hitchens and his journalism, Carl Sagan, all that stuff. And, you know, I was able to change my mind. So when I hear people say like, oh, you can't mess people with religion. It's just, it's foregone. I, I see that, that that's true. But at the same time, my personal experience was, well, I was kind of reasoned out of it. So it's hard to, it's hard for me to toe the line with that because I think it's weird. Like you can plant seeds of people that maybe it'll maybe take 10 years before a conversation you had with them where you were willing to go there about politics or religion before that really took, took, you know, root. You know what I'm saying? I would, I would argue that you weren't reasoned out of it. I would argue that you were the one that were, was doing the reasoning and you were the one that was talking yourself out of it. Like you started reading all this stuff that contradicted the stuff that you believed. And then because you're a smart person, you, like you, you look at things and you go, "What's the truth?" And you're like, "Oh, this this feels more like the truth than this other thing that I thought the truth was." It's not, but it wasn't. It, it, Richard Dawkins wasn't at your house. Uh, prosthet- no, he came prosthet- to my house. Prosthet- How do you say that word? Prosthet- proselytizing. God, that's a hard. No, he word. came to my house because he had uh, all of his toilets were filled with shit, so he had to come stay with me for a little while. <laughs> he had to, he came over knocking on your door. Can I poop in your house? Please? All the way from England. And while I'm here, let me dissuade you from Jesus. Uh, anyways, no, I would say that you are a smart person. You did the research and you talked yourself out of it. I mean, I, I'm I was the same way. I was super religious when I was a kid. I went to Catholic school. I was very much on board with all of it. And then when I was a teen, you know, when I was like 12 or 13, I, I started, I was like, well, some of this stuff doesn't logically make sense. And it was just logic. It was just like, well, let me look at this logically. And and, uh, and then eventually I had to throw it out. But the thing that I've now done, which is a little different, is that I've gone, well, just because this stuff that people like me and you have decided is the truth and set down in books and whatever, just cause that rings untrue to me. Doesn't just cause we don't know what God is or just cause we don't know, or just cause I don't know, doesn't mean that there's not a God or doesn't mean that, that this experience that I'm having isn't some, fabrication of some hey, other thing that to, I don't know. I'm sorry to interrupt you. You're making a, a truly wonderful point, but my, my daughter just walked up to me. Hold on. What do you need, baby? <laughs> she wants cereal. Um, Sorry, that's my family. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but I'm enjoying it. Well, just because they know I'm doing this and I ask them to be quiet, and then <laughs> that's the opposite of that. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah uh anyways what's something right, you, we got a few more minutes what's something you like well i i don't know if i've talked about it on this show but i've talked about it in life and i've talked about it on stage a lot but there's a brand new season of the great british baking show and my god i'm, I'm on episode one and i just truly love this show it is like it is like a 
it is like aloe vera on an uh, on a <clears throat> like if my life was a rash that was irritating and and uh, discomforting. This Great British Baking Show is like a just aloe vera. What just a statement! Healing, just healing and and comforting. And it's if you don't know the premise of the show, you have I don't know maybe twelve, maybe more some some uh, that number of amateur bakers that are from Great Britain all over, and they're uh, they're all sweet, wonderful. It's very diverse. There's every sexual orientation, age group, ethnicity, um, and they're just sweet, wonderful bakers. I know it sounds horrible, and uh, and uh, and so it's just like a baking show, a competition, and every week somebody gets voted off out of the tent. Oh, they so they bake in a tent in an English countryside. The main judges are Paul Hollywood. Who's sort of a handsome, gruff, fifty-something-year-old baker guy, uh, who's who's pretty serious and gruff, but it but he but you can tell he has a warm heart. And then the first four seasons, it was this Mary Berry who turns out she's like in her eighties, and she's sort of like the British Betty Crocker, but she's also kind of a little saucy and she likes to drink. And uh, it's weird, like having a saucy 80 year old but you don't think she's 80 at first she looks like she's in her 60s but anyway she's gone they've got a new lady because i mean eventually everybody dies and uh and then they have these comedians who aren't funny but now they have this new comedian that used to be on the mighty uh boosh uh nigel godrich who's really funny and anyways you don't win anything when you win the competition, all you get is they call you like the best baker of that season. You don't win any money. Everybody comes at the end. All the people that lost, they come and they support the winner. They're all just beautiful, sweet people who make friendships on the show, try their best. If somebody's failing, they'll help them while they're, you know, if they're like falling behind, the other bakers help them. It's just this sweet little slice of how life could be. And that's all the time we have for today on I'm Okay, You're Okay, <laughs> I'm Not Okay, Bob's Not Okay. Uh, is that, yeah, that is pretty, we are pretty much close to the end there. Yeah. But anyways, I can't recommend that show enough. I I think it's my number one TV show of all time, in, even better than Game of Thrones, which is has always been the number one. The Venn diagram on those two shows is very quite small. <laughs> quite small. I don't think so. You got to see it. You got to watch it. I'll watch The Deuce. You watch The Great British Baking Show. Um, okay, we will do. <laughs> if you guys want to send us an email, clintonbob at gmail.com. We'll talk about whatever the thing is you send us. We don't care. Yeah. Send us anything you want us to talk about, and we'll talk about it. Until next time, I'm Bob Schneider. And I'm Clint Wells. Uh, I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. All right. We'll see you later. Okay. Okay.